TJPA Board of Directors meeting of April 14th, 2022 to order. I'm Jeff G, the board chair. This board meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act and in compliance with the California State Assembly Bill AB 361 to facilitate compliance with the reduced risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown, Rule, Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. AB 361 has suspended those rules. The meeting is being held during a proclaimed state of emergency and state and local officials have imposed or recommended measures to promote social distancing. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via SFGov TV, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching live on SFGov TV and I'd like to thank the SFGov TV staff for their continued support and services. Mr. Secretary, could you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair G. Prior to calling roll, I would like to note that David Ambio is sitting in as Director El Tawansi's alternate. Directors, please respond when I call your name. Director Ambio. Here. Ambio present. Director Forbes. Here. Forbes present. Director John Baptiste. Present. John Baptiste present. Director Lipkin. Present. Lipkin present. Director Shaw. Present. Shaw present. Director Tumlin. Present. Tumlin present. Vice Chair Mandelman. Present. Mandelman present. Chair G. Chair. G present. Directors, we have a quorum. I will proceed to call your next item. Directors, item three is communications, and we'd like to remind the public that the public comment process is listed on the agenda and streaming on the screen. Additionally, we'd like to note that due to a scheduling conflict, we will call item 17 before item nine to ensure we have quorum. Um, I'm not aware of any communication from the board. I'll proceed to call your next item. Directors, item four is board of directors new NRO business. Also not aware of any, I will proceed to call your next item. Directors, item five is the executive director's report. Good morning, directors. Uh, we're happy to announce we have two new TJPA members join us this month. Oscar Quintanilla, uh, our budget and procurement director, and Carolyn Rogers, uh, TJPA accountant. Both Oscar and Carolyn have previous experience with the TJPA and, and have been getting quickly up to speed in their first weeks here um, with the team. I'd also like to welcome our new Citizens Advisory Committee Chair, Brian Larkin, recently elected at our last CAC meeting this past Tuesday. Uh, Vice Chair Bilal Aftab will remain in his current role and you'll hear from Brian uh, shortly. Here at the center, we're continuing to see a steady stream of riders and workers coming back downtown and through the center. As you know, we partnered with Iconic Downtown Venues along with the Mayor's Office on Bloom SF, a week-long series of activities offered to the public at the end of March. It brought the public to various downtown locations, including our rooftop park, uh, and Facility Director Jen Norris will highlight this more in her report, along with activities happening in the center and some exciting improvements around wayfinding. Regarding wayfinding, we're making progress on obtaining funding for our $4.7 million wayfinding improvement plan and have the first $785,000 now committed or underway and the first improvements now in place at the center. This includes the previously reported $200,000 from MTC through RM2 funds and $285,000 from fiscal year 21 operational funds. 
And we want to thank the SFCTA board for their first reading approval earlier this week for $300,000 of Prop AA vehicle registration fee funds to replace some of our wayfinding hardware. Uh, final approval is expected at their April 26th meeting uh, for expenditure this summer. We've also submitted requests to Senators Padilla and Feinstein, along with Speaker Pelosi, to fund over a million dollars in wayfinding work, uh, including hardware and design and planning. And we've been working with Amtrak and AC Transit on getting Amtrak into the center in anticipation of these wayfinding improvements. We're eager to get them operating out of the bus deck so that their riders can have a better commuting experience and save time accessing and exiting the bridge. And I expect to have an update to share with you at our next board meeting as we work to resolve the last outstanding issues uh, to get them onto that deck. Regarding DTX, last month, uh, I, along with uh, two staff members, attended the American Public Transportation Association's Legislative Conference in Washington, D.C. Uh, while there, we heard from Secretary Buttigieg and met with uh, Department of Transportation and congressional staff. It was very exciting both to gather and to gather uh, across the country when there's uh, so much historic infrastructure funding uh, at stake. We thank the Metropolitan Transportation Commission for including DTX in their bipartisan infrastructure law five-year funding strategy framework, which was approved by their commission in late March. The MTC will use this framework to advocate important federal funding for Bay Area projects such as the DTX. Uh, they expect to update this living document as the federal government releases addition, additional notice of funding opportunities over the next year. Uh, we, although we excuse me, although we expect to request up to half of the DTX project cost through the FTA CIG Capital Investment Grant Program next year, we, we are eligible to apply for an additional 30% of the project cost from federal sources. We expect to hear about our $5 million grant application to the Federal Railroad Administration for pre-construction activities next month and continue to pursue two larger programs under the bipartisan infrastructure law that we qualify and expect to be competitive for. This includes MEGA, funding for projects of national significance with applications due on May 23rd, and the Federal-State Partnership for Intercity Rail, which we hope to jointly apply for with our partners on the corridor when program details are released in October. Last week, we hosted U.S. Department of Transportation Deputy Secretary Polly Trottenberg when our team visited the Bay Area. We took them and Director Tumlin on a quick tour through the center with the highlights showing the unfinished potential of the train box uh, below ground. Similar to last year, the California High-Speed Rail Authority released their draft business plan earlier this year, uh, which highlighted the Salesforce Transit Center as the northern terminus of the corridor, and the TJPA provided a letter of support, along with a few detailed comments earlier this week. We also submitted our transit and intercity rail capital program application to the state for cap-and-trade funds earlier last month, and expect award announcements later this summer. On the local level, the Prop K reauthorization draft plan passed MTC's planning subcommittee last week on consent, and it's expected to be at their commission at the end of the month, and then the San Francisco Board of Supervisors before placement before the San Francisco voters on the November ballot. On your agenda today are a couple of items of interest. TJPA issued four requests for proposals in January to secure and establish the bench of necessary real estate services uh, for right-of-way related work in advance of actual right-of-way acquisition for DTX. Four items on today's agenda, items 13 to 16, I point out uh, that the acquisition process 
is contingent upon funding availability and per our current funding plan would not commence until late in the calendar year. So today's action is really getting the consultants uh, approved uh, for uh, anticipated future work. The team is working with various city departments, notably the PUC, the fire department, public works, MTA, and other agencies to secure intergovernmental agreements as we work to complete design and construction documents. These will be coming before the board in the coming months and are required before we complete our federal applications next year in 2023. Our agency to agency agreement with the lead operator Caltrain will identify respective roles and responsibilities to complete design and deliver construction, including the important tasks of rail activation, leading to revenue service, along with ongoing operation and maintenance responsibilities for DTX. Along with Caltrain Acting Executive Director Michelle Bouchard, we'll be briefing the Caltrain Board of Directors on the DTX project next month. And we expect to return to you with a master cooperative agreement for your consideration prior to returning to the Caltrain Board later in the fall. Another uh, item before you today is item nine on the Parcel F Purchase Service Agreement. Over the last year, we've been negotiating with the de developer F4 Hines, and I want to acknowledge principals from F4 Hines, Dan Esdorn, who's joined us today as a participant, and Randy Volonek of Pelly Clark and Partners for their efforts to get us to this milestone. Also included in your packets is the Project Labor Agreement Quarterly Report for Q1 of 2022. Besides an update on the tenant improvement construction, there was a presentation on DTX that involved a good discussion on upcoming scope and anticipated timelines. As the DTX program develops more details on upcoming contracting and labor needs, the information will be shared in subsequent meetings with the committee. TJPA looks forward to our continued partnership with the labor leaders as the DTX project advances to deliver trains into the train box. Directors, this concludes my executive director's report. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have before Jen Norris takes over to present the facility operations update. Executive Director Vandenwater, thank you. <clears throat> Directors, any questions on the ED report? Donald, I'm not seeing any hands, are you? No hands uh, at this time. And just to the members of the public, we'll go through all the reports before we take public comment. So we've got the ED report, facility operations, and then we'll take public comment on any reports. So executive director, thank you. Thank you. I think, does that mean Jan is going to show us the silent disco? <laughs> I could. Indeed. That would be super fun. I don't think my camera works well enough. Maybe I could do we missed you there, Director G. I'm sorry you couldn't make it. Yeah, Director Shaw was there. Very excited to see her there. Um, and we'll get to the silent disco in a moment. Um, but first, my report begins with, we've had an excellent march here operationally. Got a lot of work done. Next slide, please. Um, as I've told you from the beginning, one of my focus on the way in the door was on wayfinding. And I've been fortunate work with some really great partners from MTC, AC Transit, and SFMTA as a group to make decisions about our priorities and then um, accomplish some things. So the TIDs, the transit information display cases are up and full of information, which is great. There are 35 of them on the bus deck and five in bus plaza. Um, they just greatly improved people's ability to find information. 
uh, within the center and make us less reliant um, on the digital displays to provide everything people want to know. Uh, the Grand Hall after hours decal has been replaced with something uh, that is not transparent, uh, so it's much easier to find this information and it provides new guidance to both the Beale Street elevators and the First Street elevators, which are the after hours access to the bus deck between the top between 10 p.m. and 1.30 a.m. Were you going to the bus deck? Those would be the elevators you use. And I hope there are 14 of those stickers that are next to each door of the Grand Hall in hopes of helping people find that. We'll be continuing to provide upgrades and updates to our signage so that um, places other than the Grand Hall, you will also be able to find the after hour information. So that's still on my to-do list. Next slide, please. In progress, um, as Adam referred to, the digital display upgrade project has actually begun. We had a project kickoff this week with Lowercase Productions, who was awarded the contract. And we look forward to working as a team to greatly improve that interface, its functionality, and to replace the hardware with something more up-to-date and more appropriate to the task. And also have been working with our partners to design three more kiosks on the sidewalks. Those I'm working with sidewalk permitting right now to place those. We have done the walkthrough and made little X's on the sidewalk to the appropriate location, which it turns out is so much more complicated than you think it is to find a place where there's not a basement underneath, where they won't be hit by a truck, where like all of the variables, I learned a lot on that walk, but the goal of those, um, we had them at the temporary transit center and we have them in the basement right now and it will be great to redeploy them, helping particularly the Amtrak riders find their way from Mission Street. It's only a block away to the transit center. We wanna be sure that they're aware that it's there as we continue to work to get Amtrak into the center, which we are making progress on. But either way, helping people find the BART stations and such things downtown as people return to work, it'll be great to have these three new kiosks, which I'm sure you know are located not just in San Francisco, but all over the Bay Area. Next slide, please. We also were successful in repairing the Holzer art, which is the scrolling poetry that goes around the top of the Grand Hall and then is also viewed from the bus deck. That repair was long time coming. The power supplies, there are 19 power supplies that keep that artwork working. They were located above the lettering. Um, in this photo, you can see that that's very far above the Grand Hall. So they were attracting moisture and dust and ash, and that was making them malfunction. We got a huge lift in there, a special kind of lift that not only goes high, but protects the floor and managed to move the, pow move the power supplies, clean them, and then replace them into the ceiling of the bus deck where they will forevermore live and be much more easy to reach, to maintain, and hopefully much better protected from moisture, dust, and ash. So glad to see that artwork working again and to have a long-term solution in place. Next slide, please. Park programming. I've been speaking about the request for qualifications to expand our bench of presenters. 
we did complete that process and selected 15 new partners that will be combined with the 21 existing qualified partners. These people uh, provide a great variety of programs. Some of our new partners, in fact, provide more than one kind of program. Uh, some of the new things you'll see, uh, we have qualified a circus presenter. Uh, there's someone who can provide guitar lessons. Classical music and jazz have joined the list of bluegrass and more popular music that we have previously been able to present. So that's good to see. We've also added uh, the possibility for some larger scale bands on the amphitheater stage. So I think that'll be lovely for some summer kind of festival-like presentations. And uh, Friday night, we are starting a summer Friday night dance program that will have a variety of uh, types of dance on Friday evenings. Um, we're launching that on May 6th with some salsa. There's also Bollywood and some other dance forms that'll be presented there. As we've seen the return to work, we have seen a, a great increase in the participation in these programs um, and more people in the park. On average, our high count is around 350, um, even on cold days. So excited to see uh, people returning and the weather improving and then an expansion of our bench. I will say that the, I reviewed the uh, submittals with uh, someone from BRV, our presenting partner, and from Andrew from the East Cut, and all three of us felt like there was unfortunately still, despite our outreach strategy being more comprehensive, we still saw a lack of cultural diversity in our respondents. So we will be developing a new outreach strategy and a simpler submittal process um, and some different ways to engage with us. Uh, maybe we'll do a video about how to apply and how simple it is. Maybe we'll provide some office hours for people to talk through what's needed, uh, but really want to continue to expand that bench and to do so equitably. So uh, that's on my list. Next slide, please. We were lucky to host the mayor's press conference on March 14th. Uh, thank you to those of you who could join us there. We were, the mayor was there talking about employers getting people back to work downtown, but also celebrating the work of the Bloom SF partners, uh, the Crossing, Embarcadero Center, Salesforce Tower, Westfield Center, the Ferry Building, the Transit Center, Union Square, and the East Cut CBD. We've been working together for, I think, I mean, I attended my first meeting in December and we've been meeting um, often since then to create an event that would attract people to back, back to downtown. And what we ended up doing was a week, which uh, Adam referred to, of a variety of events all over the city or all over the downtown area of the city. And then uh, OEWD put out beautiful floral displays that uh, created surprise and delight as people exited transit areas um, and came to engage in these activities. Our signature offering here at the Transit Center was a silent disco. Next slide, please. We are glad to see Director Shaw join us at that. Uh, it was a cold and windy night, but we distributed 278 headsets. Um, and we took this opportunity to introduce some of the Bear Bottle Brewing products that will be offered in the beer garden. Uh, Bear Bottle is an excellent partner. They donated the beer to the East Cut who then sold it for us out on the plaza. 
Um, and that was a nice surprise for people because we don't often, so far we haven't been able to offer food and drink at many of these activities. Of course, the beer garden will be joining us soon. And so that will be an ongoing option. Uh, next slide, please. And one more. In terms of retail leasing, uh, I don't have any new tenants to announce yet, but we continue to market the spaces. I can say that those that are leased are moving toward opening. Uh, supply chain continues to thwart us slightly. Vanga Empanadas is waiting for fire alarm strobes. Literally that I believe is the obstacle at this moment. Uh, but we're getting there and I'm, I feel very certain that in the next three months you will see Vanga Empanadas and Tycoon Thai Kitchen opening as well as Kaiser and Bear Bottle will squeak in either at the end of June or the beginning of July is my feeling at this point. And then um, Aquilina, Per Diem, Dimbao's and the Juice Bar, as well as Charlie's Philly Steaks will open um, in the third quarter, sometime between July and September is what we're forecasting for those. Uh, next slide, please. Very excited to have Kaiser opening on May 16th. They uh, are opening something that is a new offering for them called Care Essentials. It will be located on the second floor at the west end of the transit center, open Monday through Friday, 830 to 5, and really be a kind of drop-in clinic. So if you're not feeling well, it's a place you can go. Um, they offer, they'll also offer flu shots and vaccines, do some lab tests. Um, and if you had medicine prescribed to you during your visit, they can also supply that. So I think this will be great for downtown uh, workers and residents, but specifically workers. So we're excited to see that happening. And next slide, please. In relation to that, um, we've seen advertising revenue increasing um, and more engagement in, in the last few months. So in March, uh, Alaska Airlines had digital ads running throughout the center. And this photo is one of the big screen in the Grand Hall. Kaiser's digital advertisements will begin on April 18th, and then they will add um, large scale window wraps um, in the high windows in the Grand Hall facing out on May 2nd, um, all in anticipation of that May 16th opening. Next slide, please. And one more. Tenant improvements continue um, and they're picking up pace, which is great. Per diem started um, a little over a week ago. And this photo of the framing of their walls was taken only three days after they started. So they're moving quickly, excited to see that. That's a large corner space. Um, sit down dining um, will be a great addition to our center. And then Charlie's, uh, the steakhouse has been adding finishes and really is starting to look like a restaurant, which is excellent. Uh, next slide. And then up on the park, we are moving toward construction. Bear Bottle will go first. As I said, I anticipate late June, early July. Uh, the process there, the containers that are being constructed or fit out offsite are still underway. That while they're also working out their waterproofing and attachment with our team. The process there will be to crane the containers onto the roof. That will be a one day activity. But in preparation for that, about a week out, we will start removing pavers from about a 20 by 26 
foot uh, rectangle where those containers will sit. And so we'll work to make sure that during that week of construction that we keep the park up and safe and opening and operational for everybody. Uh, so that'll be one of the things that we'll be looking to do. And then luckily that will complete before GSSK begins their work. They're right now finishing design review for both the rooftop restaurant and for their show marketplace uh, fish house and headquarters, which are located on street level. So if you look at the diagram, you can see the park up top, up top on the park is the restaurant. And then down below um, on your right is their uh, street level marketplace and their headquarters that's in schematic design. And I believe I just saw an email that said that they hope to start that work as early as July or August. So definitely excited to see that project moving forward. And I think that concludes my report. Thank you so much for your time. Jan, thank you very much. <clears throat> and Director Shaw, thank you for stopping by the silent disco. My apologies, I could not join you that evening. Hopefully the next time. Directors, any questions on the facility report? Seeing up, Dr. Shaw. Thanks. I don't necessarily have any questions. I just want to say um, thank you for all the wayfinding efforts. I think I think it will be really, really helpful. I appreciate your new and fresh look at it and approach, and we uh, look forward to continuing to partner on that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Director Shaw. Not seeing any hands, so Donald, are there any public comments on the reports? Uh, no hands and no public comment at this time. And I believe the project labor agreement <clears throat> project labor agreement quarterly reports in our package for review. And so we'll go on to the next item, Donald. Absolutely. Directors, item six is the CAC update and CAC Vice Chair Bala Aftat will address you on this item. Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, thanks for having me this week. Um, uh, as Donald mentioned, I'm the vice chair of the CAC and going forward, we, we did this past week elect a new chair, um, Chair Brian Larkin, who will be giving this update going forward. Um, and But uh, just given that um, I ran the meeting and, and have a bit of history doing it, um, I'm giving this week's report, um, but excited for Chair Larkin to join um, and, and, and lead the CAC over the next year. Um, just to uh, you know, sort of play back some of the comments and, and some of the reactions that we had at, at this week's CAC meeting. Um, uh, I, I think in a similar way, um, as it comes to the staff report, we're really happy to hear about the progress in terms of procuring funding for wayfinding. Um, we're also uh, excited to hear about um, the uh, Department of Transportation's visit um, and, and, and sort of the prospects of, of what that visit could be could mean for, for the center. Um, in terms of facility operations, I think that I personally love getting the updates on product programming. It's so exciting to see whether it's a silent disco or um, whether it's uh, you know the mayor's press conference or um, whatever it is. I, I think the work that Jen is doing there is is really remarkable in terms of bringing a diversity of perspectives and cultural events um, at the center. And I think we really appreciate the fact that Jen is making an effort to um, make access to park programming um, at the TJPA um, even easier. Um, I know it's something that I personally appreciate. Um, I think the investments in wayfinding will be important and really critical. Um, I, I, I think it's been discussed uh, a bit already, but I think it's something that will just continue to make the center that much more accessible and, and also just raise the awareness that it exists and can be a source for people 
Um, we're also really excited about the fact that, you know, traffic is returning, um, that ad revenue is going up. Um, there are four openings coming up in Q2, and I think the prospect of Kaiser coming in will also um, bring in a fair amount of foot traffic. Um, in, in terms of some feedback from the CAC on that, um, there were some questions around um, uh, AC Transit and basically all those that are using the center and the ability to actually get real-time information in terms of things like cancellations. Sometimes the schedules, for example, are more static reflections of what an ideal schedule looks like. Um, but just getting a sense of um, where the actual cancellations are coming from and, and that sort of across the board. Um, there are also questions around um, public toilet availability um, and, and making that as accessible and open as possible. But I think that was more just uh, we weren't uh, some of the members weren't aware of that. But I think it probably speaks more to the wayfinding aspect of it, where just making um, the availability of those toilets known um, in terms of the DTX update. Um, you know, we're, we're excited to see that, um, that that be kicking off in terms of the right of way work um, and all of the work um, in terms of now, uh, the FTA program. Um, in terms of some of the public comments, um, you know, there were some comments or, or, or requests around um, hearing more from the MTA. Um, they obviously are a critical partner of this and just um, getting a sense from them in terms of, uh, uh, you know, how things are going for them. They're a critical partner of the TJPA and the MTC and a lot of different part different bodies. And so I'm really just wanting to hear from them um, and, and just building that relationship there. Um, and I think that's all I have. Um, and so I don't know if you have any questions or comments, but I really appreciate you giving me the time. Vice Chair Afta, thank you very much. And please thank the CAC for all their continued effort. And Director Tumlin, sure, will follow up, I'm sure, about SFMTA and updates from them to the CAC. Directors, any questions for our Vice Chair, CAC Vice Chair? Seeing none, Chair G. Okay, very good. Public comment on the CAC report. Uh, there is no public comment at this time. Okay. I'll Sounds continue. Good. Call the next item. Please. Directors, item seven is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the authority on matters that are not on today's calendar. Seeing no public comment at this time, I will proceed to call your next item. Directors, your next item is the consent calendar. All matters listed are considered to be routine and will be acted upon by a single vote. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the board or public so requests in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered separately. I have not received any requests from the public or the directors and I am checking for public comment at this time. And there, is none. Is there a motion? I'd like to move the consent calendar, please. Second. Thank you, Director Lipkin. Thank you, Director Shaw. Roll call vote, please. Absolutely. Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair G? Yes. G, aye. There are seven ayes. Item eight, the consent calendar is approved. Thank you. Aye. 
Directors, per the concurrence of Chair G, we'll be calling item 17 out of order and before item nine. Item 17 is the election of chair and vice chair, which will be done in two parts. At this time, we will take nominations for chair. I see your hand, Vice Chair Mandelman. I got my hand up in the chat. Now I'm over here. Okay. All right, everybody. Um, thank you. Um, I want to begin just by thanking our chair, uh, Jeff G, for, uh, for getting us through the last year um, here at the TJPA. Um, there was a lot of work to do, and um, Chair G has led us through, through, this, through this effort and um, the many tasks um, with grace and skill, um, and I have been grateful to him for it, and I know San Francisco has as well. We have hired our great new uh, executive director out of Vandewater, and we're um, excited for that. Um, we've gotten ourselves accepted into the FTA, uh, or we've gotten DTX entry to the FTA New Starts, uh, um, uh, which, which positions the project as a regional priority, and we finished a phasing study to look at costs and identify $400 million um, in potential deferrals. And, um, and the TJP ad advocated at MTC for regional endorsement of the project for state and federal funds, which is so critical. So um, we needed to get a lot done this year and we did. And that is largely because we have had strong and effective leadership in Chair G. And so I would like to nominate Chair G if he is willing to serve another year um, as, our, as our leader. Second, Tom Wood. Um, thank you, directors. Um, thank you, um, Director Mandelman, for, for those comments. I'd just like to say it's an honor and privilege to serve the last year as chair and that we are doing this together. No one person can do it by themselves. And the partnerships, not only with San Francisco, but around the region are so critical. And I'm very appreciative of this board and honored to serve Last year as the chair, and if the board desires, we'll be honored to continue to serve as chair for another year. So thank you for that nomination. Um, assuming, are there any other nominations before I check for public comment? Seeing none of the nominations and seeing no public comment, uh, do we have a motion to elect Director G as chair? I make a motion to elect Director G as chair. I will second. Thank you, Director Forbes, and thank you, Director John Batiste. I will go ahead and take a roll call vote for Director G as chair. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin? Enthusiastic aye. <laughs> Director Lipkin aye. Director Shaw aye. Shaw aye. Director Tumlin aye. Tumlin aye. Vice Chair Mandelman aye. Mandelman aye. And Chair G. Yes. G aye. Thank you. And um, staff, thank you. It's an honor to continue to serve. And I really mean it. It's a great board working together to get things done. And um, Director Shaw, I owe you at the next silent disco. So um, please cash that one in. The motion to elect 
Director G, as chair has passed, congratulations. We will now take nominations for vice chair. Donald, I'd like to, to nominate Director Mandelman as vice chair, um, continuing the partnership with San Francisco and the region to keep DTX and its rebranding moving forward. It's been an honor to work together. Thank you. Second. You. Are there any other are there any other nominations before we check for public comment? Seeing none. Also seeing no public comment at this time. Do we have a motion to elect Director Mandelman as Vice Chair? So moved. Moved. Oh. I'll take the second. <laughs> I think I heard Director John Baptiste and Director Tumlin, I think. That is, that is correct. They both spoke at the same time, but there was a first by Director John Baptiste and a second by Director Tumlin. I will take a roll call vote for Director Manaman as Vice Chair. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin? Another enthusiastic aye from me. <laughs> Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair G? Aye. aye. the motion to elect Director Mandelman as Vice Chair has passed. Congratulations. Congratulations, Vice Chair Mandelman, and thank you. Thank nice you, board. Thank you. Up. Mine thought we had a hand for a second, but it went back down. Directors, item nine is authorizing the executive director to enter into the following agreements with the owner and developer developer of parcel F, parcel F owner LLC F4, a rent relocation agreement to relocate an existing vent shaft cooling tower and two planned vents over the TJPA's underground train bots to a single structure on the west side of the bus ramp and relocate associated equipment in the Salesforce Transit Center grant temporary construction easements to facilitate the vent relocation and construction of a mixed-use high-rise building a pedestrian bridge and other improvements on the parcel f and amend existing permanent easement agreements with f4 and amendment to the 2016 purchase and sale agreement with f4 to resolve the matters of liquidated damages resulting from the anticipated delay in F4's completion and construction of the Parcel F project and TJPA Senior Construction Manager Dennis Tershon along with TJPA Legal Counsel Andrew Schwartz will jointly present this item. Okay, if you can pull up the presentation, Jason. Good morning, directors, and a special welcome to our, uh, our uh, to the TJPA team, uh, Director Amgill. I'm uh, I and uh, Andrew Schwartz are very excited to present this uh, this this uh, agenda item uh, with also uh, Dan Esdorn from uh, F4 Heinz and also Randy Volanek uh, from Pelly Clark Partners uh, in the wings as we present this package to the to the board and to the public. Uh, so next slide, Jason. If you can go into a presentation slide, that uh, that would be helpful too. Yeah, stand by for one second. I need to go back and forth so I can promote a couple people. Hold on. 
Okay. Great. Thank you very much, Jason. Okay. So, yes. So, for this presentation, we're going to go through, I'll, I'll show you some graphics of the Parcel F project to orient where we're at and what this project, how it relates to the transit center, just as a reminder. Uh, talk about the vent shafts. Uh, why are we uh, talking about relocating these vents? How does it affect us? And why is it coming before the board today? Uh, the key terms of this vent relocation. Talk about some of the technical elements, construction easements, uh, key terms, uh, what are the liquidated damages and why are they uh, provided as part of this uh, and how they relate. And then ultimately uh, a listing of the recommended documents for approval is what uh, Andrew and I will present here. The next slide. So this rendering shows uh, a very close proximity to where Parcel F is in relation to the transit center. You can see um, below there, you can see the Cable Stay Bridge, uh, which is at the base of Parcel F and then in the transit center uh, behind it. This Parcel F is uh, approximately 800 feet tall. It's a mixed use uh, with condos, hotel and office space uh, that is right adjoining and, and partially above, which I'll show you in uh, subsequent slides. Uh, uh, to the uh, to the train box. Next slide, Jason. This tower has many uh, synergies and connections to the transit center. Uh, one of them is up at the park. Uh, there's the proposed you know bridge uh, that's part of the package uh, with the pedestrian bridge easement. Uh, that shows how it would have direct access and would be the third of the three towers that that would have access to the to the park, you know, Salesforce Tower and 181 Fremont being the other two. Uh, next slide. And this slide shows, this is down at Natoma Street on the southern side of the transit center with, uh, as you can see, the yawning on the left. This is uh, the um, this is the tower right in front of us. This shows, uh, as we get into the vent relocation, this element of um, all the excitement that this is showing on Natoma Street with the retail elements, not only on the transit center side, but also on the parcel F side, this uh, package today and the vent relocation allows for this, uh, this excitement because it puts retail down below and the modifications uh, that are shown in this drawing that Andrew and I will present to how it's, uh, how that has worked to, to the benefit of the TJPA uh, to move forward with the vent relocation uh, agreement. Next slide. So where is Parcel F in relation to um, to the transit center? So we have Howard Street on the bottom, Natoma Street, which is uh, right up against the uh, transit center. And then Parcel F is that dashed, the green dashed section, uh, which has two parts. Uh, the, the light green section is on um, the ground, level and then the red triangular area is actually above the train box. Next slide, Jason. So back in 2016, uh, this parcel was sold you know, by the TJPA to F4 uh, for $160 million. This was all part of the, uh, the transit center district plans that allowed for increased taller buildings. Uh, as part of that 2016 uh, purchase and sale agreement, uh, there was various e easements that were identified 
at the time, you know, with the concepts of this tower, uh, the train box easement being right above it, the vent shafts, you know, element as well too, the bus ramp maintenance, you know, the, the tower is right next to the uh, bus ramp and we will have to maintain that from time to time. Uh, that's been accounted for. Also, the pedestrian bridge connectivity includes a pedestrian bridge easement. What was it was identified in the original 2016 purchase and sale agreement, and then we bring forth uh, the restated and amended. Now that the uh, the uh, various uh, details have been uh, finalized as part of the process. And what I do I, I note there is, which I'll go into further, is I have three dotted circles there on the red area, which is uh, part of the train box. Those are venting shafts. Uh, the existing one on the far left uh, is there today. And those other two are just currently capped for future uh, phase two use. And uh, go into the next slide, Jason, and I'll talk a little bit more about what those vent shafts are. Those vent relocations, those were uh, identified in the original phase one construction. Uh, and that's where uh, various uh, venting elements of the train box would be located. It was identified as a potential and pursued for the relocation of these and how it would improve uh, the value of, of parcel F and the, and the value of how it would uh, the benefit to TJPA. But part of that process, it was very important to understand that there would be no change to the operations of the transit center, no changing or timing or any impacts to DTX, uh, or and including an equivalent or better performance of the cooling system if we uh, um, uh, entertain the relocation, which would have moved the venting to that slit, that yellow sliver to the left of the three existing uh, circles. All that has been accounted for and is included in the packet today. Uh, next slide, Jason. So why would we entertain moving these vents? Uh, you can really see in the, some of this, the presentations here, you know, the, or the graphics, I should say, uh, where these uh, where would have been these three vent shafts, but now is a very vibrant section that uh, on Natoma Street, uh, right next to the TJ, you know, the transit center's retail as well. So I'll, at this point, I'll turn it over to Andrew to go into the details of the dollars and, and the rest of the presentation on the, uh, on the agreements themselves. So Andrew. Well, thank you, Dennis. I'd like to, uh, these agreements were a long time in coming, uh, and I, I, I do want to compliment and thank the Executive Director Vandewater and his predecessors, Neely Gonzalez and Mark Zadani and Dennis for their work on this agreement, and also uh, thank um, the developer, F4, for their cooperation in this process. Um, this, these are very complicated agreements, and um, uh, we, we, through some very hard work, we've, I, I think we've arrived at agreements that uh, are a win for both parties. <clears throat> so the, the purpose of moving the vents was to make the, the parcel F site more functional. It's a fairly small site and due to the the sensitivity of the train box, you cannot uh, build a very heavy structure over the train box. So that didn't leave uh, much of the site for the super tall building to be built there. Also, it constrained uh, the, the, the shape and, and, and size of the site and the, and the limitations of the uh, bus ramp on the, on the uh, 
southwest and the train box uh, on the northwest part of the property limited the options for um, for a loading dock. So with the movement of the vents, the, the, we've been able to increase the functionality of the site that would allow for a um, loading dock and also for additional floor area, usable floor area for the, for the tower. And that has resulted in greater value to the land. The, the, the increased value of the uh, land due to the floor area of the improvements from moving the vents was a, about $32 million. The cost to move the vents, we estimated at about $10 million. So the payment from the developer to this to the TJPA is the $22 million that uh, is the added value to the land. And um, that will be made uh, in uh, three installments as, as uh, we will see in, in, uh, in subsequent slides. The, all, the uh, advantage of increasing the floor area of the building is also to increase the revenue to the TJPA from the Melrose special tax because that's based on the floor area of the building. It also will increase the value of the property for uh, the net tax increment revenues to the TJPA and increase impact fees, development impact fees to the city for, for uh, open space, transportation, childcare, et cetera. And finally, we'll increase the amount of the community benefits district fee that it will be used to maintain the Salesforce Park. Also moving the vents will allow activation of the plaza between the parcel F tower and the transit center, which will be a, a vibrant um, pedestrian retail uh, area and um, will open up the space to make it a, a much more appealing um, um, appealing space for and, and attract um, patrons to the retail and the transit center. Okay, next slide. <clears throat> the, you're, you're going to be asked today to approve uh, six di different agreements. The first is the vent relocation agreement, which provides that uh, upon the signing of this agreement by the TJPA, uh, the F F4, the developer, will pay $2 million to the, to the TJPA. Uh, $14 million of the $22 million at the start of tower construction, which we anticipate to be this summer, and uh, $6 million on issuance of the certificate of occupancy for the tower. And all the costs of moving the van are to be paid by uh, the developer, including the TJPA's costs to, for oversight of the of the movement of the vents. And as, as Dennis indicated, the vent will, the, the, the existing vent and the two planned vents will be combined into one vent, a, a long rectangular vent on the west side of the bus ramp on TJPA property. And the TJPA will of course be the owner of the, the vent. Next slide, please. To, to guarantee payment of the of the $20 million for the vent relocation, the developer will issue two letters of credit to the TJPA, one for the $14 million payment, one for the $16 million payment. 
And at the time uh, the TJP receives these payments, uh, the, the, the first two payments, the 2 million at the signing of the agreement and the 14 million at start of construction, the TJP will grant new permanent easements to the developer to allow uh, higher structures over the train box uh, to, uh, then uh, were permitted in the existing easement, a lower cantilever of the tower over the train box. Under the existing easement, the, the, the bottom of any cantilever over the vents was uh, at, at, to be at a minimum height of 110 feet above grade. Now that the vents are being moved and we don't, we're not concerned about the smoke uh, being um, emitted under a cantilevered structure, that structure can be much lower and increasing the floor area of the tower. There'll be a window washing easement over the bus ramp for the cantilevered part of the tower over the, the bus ramp or adjoining the bus ramp. A new column to support the tower will be encroach a few feet into the existing bus ramp easement in favor of the TJPA for maintenance of the bus ramp. And um, the agreement also provides for a uh, more detailed easements, uh, temporary construction easements and permanent easements for the pedestrian bridge. F4 has, by the way, has one year to complete the vent relocation and, and the, the, the existing cooling tower and vent, um, the cooling tower will be functional until um, the developer installs a temporary cooling tower and that, that will be functional until the new vent structure is operational. But all of that construction has to be completed in one year. It's going to require a temporary relocation of the bike lockers and the, the uh, bike racks. So we don't want um, the disruption of the TJ Pace operations to occur for um, more than one year. Next slide, please. Uh, I won't go through the review by the by the TJPA's constituent agencies, but the, we we can uh, inform you that the 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 peer review of this vent relocation has been very rigorous, very extensive. All TJPA constituencies have approved the design for the vent relocation. Next slide, please. One of the agreements is a temporary construction easement agreement that will allow uh, the developer to use TJPA property to build the tower in an efficient manner to uh, drive its concrete trucks over the train box to build the tower the developer will install shoring, a temporary shoring inside the train box to support the roof. And that uh, would allow the parties to temporarily suspend the load limits that were imposed on the uh, train box in the original train box easement. And of course the, the parties will strictly monitor uh, the loads and the pressure uh, over the train box. And if there is any hint of, uh, of potential damage to the train box, work will be stopped and the parties will 
uh, consult about how to modify the construction activity to avoid any damage to the drain box. And uh, F4 will provide a, a large insurance coverage for any damage to the drain box of $40 million. If there are any disputes about uh, stop work, uh, a stoppage of work in order to protect the train box, the parties have agreed to a, a, a dispute resolution system involving arbitration that we think is fair to both parties. Next slide. Uh, <clears throat> the key terms of our temporary construction easement agreement, uh, F4 has two years to complete the construction of the pedestrian bridge in order to minimize the disruption to Salesforce Park. It has a six-year term for the temporary shoring in the train box. However, the executive director is empowered to shorten that period to uh, March to, to terminate as early as March 31, 2025, if the TJPA is prepared to start construction of the DTX in the train box. Uh, the, the TJPA will convey to the developer a, 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 a narrow strip of land uh, in between the the uh, the retaining wall for the the bike ramp going down to B1 level of the concourse, uh, which uh, and, and between that that wall and the southwest uh, boundary of parcel F, because that is now surplus property to the TJPA, and the TJPA has no need for it, or, nor is it. Um, does it want to be uh, responsible for any injuries that occur in that property? So it made sense to just convey that to the developer to uh, so that parcel F extends directly up to the TJPA's facilities on the southwest. All other terms of the three easements that the TJPA reserved when it sold the property to F4 in 2016 will remain the same. Next slide. One of the uh, six agreements is a liquidated damages agreement. It's an amendment to the 2016 purchase and sale agreement. In that agreement, the parties provided that if the developer failed to obtain a certificate of occupancy for the project by the end of 2023, that uh, the the developer would then pay beginning in January 2024, the net tax increment, the Melarus and uh, CBD payments that the developer would have been liable for had the developer completed the project and occupied the project at the end of 2023. Um, it's it is apparent now that the developer will not complete construction until uh, the summer of 2027. So to account for the liquidated damages that the developer would have paid for that period, the parties agreed on a, a, the sum of $40 million, which is uh, essentially the uh, 
net tax increment and the Melarus and the CBD payments that the TJPA would have received in that period between 2024 and 2027 that uh, had the building been completed in that period. So we think that's a, it's a very fair settlement of the liquidated damages. Uh, it's, it creates a certainty on, for, on all sides as to what the amount of that payment would be without this agreement. Those payments would be uncertain, make it very difficult to finance the construction of the, of the parcel F project. So we recommend uh, the, the $40 million settlement of the liquidated damages. Next slide. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, a, a summary, I guess I, I, I got ahead of myself in my oral comments. Uh, I think I explained uh, that these, these payments would have been due to the TJPA if the developer had not completed the building by uh, the end of 2023. Next slide. Uh, so start of construction this summer, completion mid 2027, that's three and a half years late. Uh, the, again, the, the amount that TJPA would have received during this period, we estimate at about $40 million. That's the settlement. Uh, the payment will be in, in installments. Next slide. This is the schedule for the liquidated damages payment, which is uh, in to the TJPA's advantage because it's early in the in the um, in the process of construction of the building, and uh, this allows the TJPA to use these funds for its operations and to qualify for full funding for the DTX with the uh, payments coming in, you know, $30 million coming in by April of 2025 is, is to the TJPA's advantage. Next slide. As security for payment of the liquidated damages, the on signing this agreement, the developer will, will grant a deed of trust to the TJPA secured by the parcel of property uh, to, for the uh, payments. And at um, the time that the construction loan funds for the developer, the developer will replace the deed of trust with a letter of credit. And that will then, um, we would uh, amend the, the, um, the, their obligation in the purchase and sale agreement to be the $40 million secured by the letter of credit. So the TJPA is guaranteed that it will be paid the full 40 million. Next slide. Uh, there, this is a list of the six agreements that we're asking the board of directors to approve today. The event relocation is the master agreement, uh, the temporary construction easements agreement uh, I described addresses the construction of the parcel of project. And we have the three restated and amendment, amended uh, easements for the train box, the bus ramp, and the pedestrian bridge, and then the amendment to the purchase and sale agreement that provides for the $40 million liquidated damage payment. Thank you. 
Dennis and Andrew, thank you very much for the presentation and, and thank everybody that has worked on this for the past several years. It's a very complicated set of agreements and negotiations and took everybody working together to get to this point. So thank you everyone involved. Uh, directors, any questions on the item? Donald, I'll need your help a little bit to... I'm not seeing any hands up, Director John Baptiste. Um, thank you. I, not a question. I just want to congratulate the team. As, as Chair G was saying, I know this has been extraordinarily complex and complicated, and um, your negotiations have led, in my opinion, to a really good outcome, and I just really appreciate the work that's gone into this. Thank you, Director John Baptiste. Other comments or questions from directors? If not, Donald, are there any public comments on this item? We do have public comment at this time, moderator. Hello, Carla, please state your name, but two minutes begin now. Good morning, directors. Um, Roland Brand, San Jose, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I would like to start by congratulating uh, Chair G and Vice Chair Mandelman on the uh, re-elections. But through the chair, I'd like to um, take us back uh, 10 years on how we got to this point. Specifically, this triangle uh, that you were shown is not part of the train box. It's actually part of the Second Street Road extension. Construction started with excavation back in 2011. That extension was not environmentally cleared. As a matter of fact, environmental clearance only took place in 2019 after the approval of the 2017 supplemental EIR. Uh, the reason I am um, bringing this to your attention is that there never was any need to have vent shafts in that area. We've had a proposal for over 10 years to eliminate all the impacts beyond Mina and Natoma. And in closing, I hope that if and when the TJPA received an unsolicited proposal to eliminate all these impacts, you will consider giving the same kind of environmental clearance leeway to make it possible for that kind of project to move forward which by the way, will restore the full length of the platforms to 1500 feet, which is what they were supposed to be in the first place. Thank you. Thank you, Donald. Any additional public comment? That does conclude public comment. Um, is there a first and a second on this item? I'll make a motion to approve. Second, Thank you, Director Forbes. Thank you, Director Tumlin, um, for, for the motion and the second. Roll call, please. Yes, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, I. Chair G. Yes. 
GI, there are seven eyes, and item nine is approved. Again, congratulations and thank you to everyone involved. This is very complex and a lot of a lot of conversations, a lot of meetings, and uh, I think it's a good outcome for everybody. So congratulations to everyone involved. Thank you. Donald, next item. Absolutely. Directors, item 10 is a presentation of the budget outlook for fiscal year 2022 to 2023 operating debt service and capital budgets and Franklin Wong, TJPA Chief Financial Officer will present. Thank you, Donald, and good morning, board members. Uh, I don't have a fancy uh, PowerPoint presentation, so this is going to be a verbal presentation, and this is an information item. So um, th uh, this is about you know, the budget outlook of the TJPA's fiscal year 2022 to 23 operating debt service and capital budget. Um, a preliminary operating projections was presented to the board back in January. Uh, with the planned budget presentation schedule. As you may recall, you know, after today's presentation, staff will come back in May to present the draft budgets of the next fiscal year, which will also serve as a public hearing. Then the board will review and adopt um, these budgets uh, in June. So let's start with the operating budget. On the revenue side, TJPA anticipates to receive funds from intergovernmental sources such as uh, regional measures two and three, special assessment from the East Cut Community um, Benefit District, uh, East Cut CBD, federal assistance from the American uh, Rescue Plan Act, ARPER, and also contributions from AC Transit and SFMTA. Um, TJPA anticipates an extension of the annual $3 million of RM2 funding for three additional fiscal years um, to be approved by uh, MTC um, next month, which will keep contributions from AC Transit and S SFMTA similar to the current fiscal year's level. The Transit Center also generates uh, operating revenues from uh, retail leases, sponsor sponsorship and events, naming rights, advertising, and licensing fees. Um, as, um, some of my colleagues have mentioned with more traffic coming back to the transit center and downtown in general. The operating budget is being put together, assuming a trajectory of gradual recovery to ensure um, the transit center continues to be a world-class transit hub. Uh, wayfinding continues to be a focus uh, for the next fiscal year and staff continues to leverage uh, outside funding sources to improve them, um, such as a 200K um, of uh, RM2 funding and $300,000 of uh, uh, Proposition AA funding from uh, SFCTA uh, that Adam mentioned uh, earlier in his report. Uh, moving on to the debt service budget, which is using net tax increment revenue for, uh, for principal and uh, interest payments of the tax allocation bonds that TJPA issued back in 2020. Uh, any amount received more than the required debt service will be used to redeem the subordinate triple bonds as required by the bond uh, indenture. I, uh, I want to talk briefly now about reserves um, that are governed by the board approved uh, reserve policy. The operating budget includes the emergency reserve of $500,000 uh, for uh, extraordinary events um, such as uh, natural disasters. And the uh, uh, operations and maintenance reserves 
which according to um, the staff's most recent forecast, um, could reach about 18% of the budgeted operating expense. So although, you know, due to the recent challenging times, um, it has yet to reach the, uh, the board's target of 25%, uh, staff believe that, you know, the, the board adopted target is uh, achievable. Um, they are also the fiscal reserves and capital replacement reserves, uh, which we, uh, which TJPA used to uh, address the needs of the three capital budgets and uh, our forthcoming capital improvement plan, which I'm going to go over uh, next. So uh, one of the TJPA capital bu uh, capital budgets is the is for phase one, uh, which is winding down, um, you know, to final construction claims uh, closed up. Um, so the focus of the capital budget is, of course, you know, phase two, you know, the downtown extension, which has entered the project development phase of the Federal Transit Administration next start uh, new start program. So the phase two budget for the next fiscal year covers um, salaries and benefits for TJPA staff, um, administrative expenses, professional and specialized services, such as engineering, construction, and consultant functions as well as expenses related to uh, right-of-way acquisition and related services uh, to move the project forward. Um, I want to emphasize that um, the phase two budget is the funding plan, you know, given, you know, the fluid status of uh, various um, funding sources um, and um, depends on the availability of such funds, you know, uh, to complete, you know, activities uh, to move the project forward. Um, the third capital budget that I want to touch uh, upon briefly is for base building and uh, tenant improvements uh, that are needed for, um, you know, the build out of uh, retail spaces in the transit center. Um, construction and retail space rentals have been delayed due to the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, so these activities will continue until all of the retail spaces are being leased and occupied. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, staff will bring to the board for consideration a process to develop a new capital improvement program, CIP, for the transit center uh, to ensure the state of good repair for uh, the facility, as well as including the deferred elements of uh, phase two, which the board has asked staff to uh, include as well. So it will include a comprehensive review of the life cycle cost of the transit center facilities, uh, assessment of revenues and a prioritization of needs uh, in the form of a CIP policy for the board's consideration. Um, so this concludes my very brief presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you very much. Franklin, thank you for the presentation. Directors, questions, comments? Seeing none, up, oh, Director John baptiste and then Director Shaw. Thank you. Um, I noticed in the uh, thank you for this presentation. I noticed in the in the um, meeting materials reference to the operating reserve and the um, indicating that that we will not be able to meet the policy amount on the operating reserve. And this is something that I know we talked about in our last discussions on the budget. It's of course understandable that we would be in a position where we wouldn't be able to reach policy amount. But I remain interested in understanding what the strategy is to get to the policy amount. And I understand that could take 
a number of years, but I think it would be worth our um, taking a bit of time to develop that strategy and sort of share it for discussion. I think that if we find that it will be challenging to get to the policy amount, that would suggest that we should reconsider the policy. So one direction or the other, from my perspective, it'd be helpful to have a little more um, insight into the thinking on that. Thank you. Director John Baptiste through the chair, for broader context here, the center has been open since 2018 and has yet to have an entire 12 months of normal operations due to both the Fisher and the global pandemic. The previous year, our operational reserves were around 11%. We are now at 18%. So we have optimism that we're both trending in the right direction and nearing that policy choice. So we'd like to stay the course until we have at least a year of operating under our belt uh, before making any changes in direction. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think what would be helpful from my perspective is just understanding what that forecast looks like. Thank you, Director John Baptiste and, and Adam and, and Franklin. Perhaps when the budget comes back, you can do a graph of that trend line so that we can kind of see how close or how far away that 500,000 might be. That might be helpful for the board to just take a look. Thank you. Director Shaw, I think you were next. Director John Baptiste, were you complete with your questions? Okay, thank you, yes. Director Shaw. Thank you. Yeah, and I had the same concern um, as Director John Baptiste. So I think that's it would be a good thing for us to see because I, I agree that while we haven't had the uh, continuous operation, it still would get a good understanding of whether we think it's still the correct way to go. Um, but my other comment was not necessarily a question, but my other comment was just to say that from AC Transit's perspective, we are really excited to see about the extension of the RM2 funding and that our costs were not going to go up so much this year. So um, happy to see that. And thank you for your efforts to make that happen. Thank you, Director Shaw. You, you sort of kind of tipped into one of my questions about how our conversations were going with our transit partners. AC Transit, SFMTA, and others, and hopefully they've been well, uh, Adam and, and Franklin? Um, that, that's correct, Chair G. I've been in close contact with my counterparts at AC Transit and SFMTA, and they have been informed about, you know, the, uh, you know, the direction that we are heading, and uh, we, are, we are all on the same page. And through the chair, I would only add, uh, as mentioned in my executive director's report, we're nearing completion of bringing Amtrak within to the center, and each bay within the bus deck is about 2% of the total operating costs. So we hope to both save their time accessing the bridge, but also uh, reducing AC Transit's operating costs in particular on the bridge, and then are in early stage discussions with Samtrans to do the same at the street level. I love the trend line. It's heading in the right direction. Thank you. Other questions from the directors? If not, Franklin and Adam, I do have one question. I do believe RM3 is supposed to help um, TJPA, but RM3 is, I don't know when the trend line is on that one. How are we doing on cash flow? Are we going to be okay? Oh, well, we are at this point, and of course, you know, the sooner the litigation uh, is behind us, you know, and the litigation turned out to be a positive result, the sooner the merrier. 
are good. Let's just keep our eye on that. Who knows how long that litigation is going to continue. So very good. Any other questions or comments? If not, uh, Donald, public comment. Seeing no, uh, seeing no other directors and no public comment at this time, I will call your next item. Again, Franklin and Adam, thank you for this presentation. Thank you very much. Directors, item 11 is authorizing the executive director to execute a professional services agreement with Pelly Clark and Partners for an architectural and engineering services related to the completed phase one facilities on an as-needed basis for a five-year term with options to extend for two additional two-year terms for an amount not to exceed 1,600,000 in TJPA Senior Construction Manager Dennis Tershon will present. Good morning, directors again. Uh, Dennis Tershon, as Jason is pulling this up, uh, the presentation is very short, uh, three slides, uh, and a, a much more simpler agreement than the last one I brought before the board. I uh, Go to the next slide, please, Jason. Uh, to give a little background on uh, where and why this is uh, being brought before the board, uh, Pelly Clark Pelly Architects, they were the uh, engineer and architects of record, you know, with contract that was uh, originally signed in 2008 uh, to do all the design uh, work, you know, architectural, structural engineering, engineering, civil, and also uh, geotechnical work uh, for the all of the phase one construction scope. Uh, obviously, that work is all completed, and that particular contract uh, from 2008 is now closed. So going forward, uh, there's at times there are capital improvements that will will be happening uh, that will require expertise uh, that uh, does go beyond uh, some of the existing staff that we have uh, here. And also um, there will be various architectural and engineering professional design oversight services needed uh, that uh, it's been deemed that the the original engineer and, and architects of record would be the most efficient uh augmentation of oversight you know uh, to the to the existing team so with that that premises and go to the next slide please jason uh we developed a scope of services uh that really has three buckets to it uh this is anticipated for um in an oversight role uh this isn't you know direct design but an oversight uh, by a third-party designer uh and the first bucket would be the neighboring property improvements uh, which, you know, is the example is parcel F. All the vent relocation uh, that's, um, you know, being done on the on the uh, transit center and also that pedestrian bridge uh, that will be coming in the next year or two. All those interfaces with the bus ramp and the transit set of structures uh, provide, you know, is uh, requires oversight. And really this bucket is the overwhelming majority of the anticipated costs of this, of this contract uh, for this uh, reimbursable, uh, element of, of neighboring property improvements. Second bucket uh, has to do with the tenant improvements. What's been identified over the next two to three years uh, is uh, the base building and, and MEP structural facilities uh, uh, connectivity from uh, JSSK, uh, which as per uh, uh, facility director, um, you know, Jen gave uh, earlier that JSSK, that, that restaurant that's on the park, uh, will require a significant amount of oversight and also uh, the bare bottle um, improvements, you know, the ones that on the on the main plaza and then uh, down in the grand hall that they're anticipating. So that has required oversight services. And then uh, the third bucket really is any of the, you know, which that tenant improvements is a, a, a the, the second largest, but a significantly less 
than the neighboring property improvements uh, uh, scope. And then thirdly would be uh, any of uh, capital improvement projects that are identified uh, where an oversight uh, role by the by the design architect and engineer of record uh, would be in the best interest of the of the TJPA uh, in in oversight. And lastly, I really do want to note that this uh, oversight and this contract uh, is all specific to non-DTX scope. Uh, there are separate contracts for that. There's no overlap uh, between those contracts. This is specifically non-DTX scope. Uh, with that, you know, you can go to the next slide, Jason. So with that, I uh, recommend uh, the TGPA staff recommends to the board, you know, this uh, authorization to execute this professional service agreement with Pelly Clark and Partners uh, for an you know, architect and engineer of record oversight services non-DTX for a five-year contract with uh, options to extend uh, for two additional two-year periods uh, with a not to exceed budget of 1.6 million uh, for this particular agreement. With that, uh, that completes my presentation to the board. Uh, and if there are any questions, I'll be more than happy to answer them. Dennis, thank you. Directors, questions, comments? Director Lipkin. Uh, thanks, yeah, and, and thanks for the presentation, Dennis. I guess the, the comment that I would have is, I, uh, you know, or the thing that troubles me a little bit about this pr proposed action is the sole source nature of, the, of what's coming before us. And I understand kind of in the scope that you've laid out that this particular contract period is intended to cover why there's probably some advantages to TJPA from continuing with Pelly Clark Pelly, especially on the neighboring parcel because they've been so close to some of that. I guess what worries me is, you know, I don't want to be back here in five years or kind of when the next time this comes up in another sole source situation. Um, and so I would be very interested in over this course of this contract period, figuring out what the steps need to be taken to make this a competitive procurement next time. Um, because, you know, I think the, the reason of, you know, they were the original architects, you know, for the center, it holds, but that should just give them a competitive advantage like anybody else. And they should be able to win a competitive procurement process if that's, if they're the best suited. Otherwise other firms should be able to have an opportunity to, to compete for this work. Um, and so I, I'm okay with, you know, approving today's action, but I'm really not interested in doing this again at the end of the term. So I'm, uh, you know, I would sort of ask that as a part of our approval that we uh, request a path towards ha not having this be uh, competitively procured next time. Appreciate it. Thank you. I did. Um, I have provided and have presented a uh, sole source justification memo, which is would be required in this kind of situation. Uh, the supporting uh, justification that mostly is what was used in that sole source is an FTA circular uh, for this kind of scenario. I, I, um, I think the overwhelming um, effort that's needed is parcel F. Uh, and those are the kind of, so I think that would address the item because that will be done uh, at the end of the original term, you know, after five years. So that allows for uh, uh, options then at that point. It, but it was uh, definitely since we've been in this process for the last two plus years with uh, utilizing Pelia's oversight, uh, it made sense for parcel F, but with parcel F behind us and JSSK and bear bottle behind us after five years that, that it does allow us uh, that 
kind of flexibility that you're that you're requesting. Yeah, and I guess I was just thought in reaction to that. We don't, you know, there will be interfacing things that come up throughout the life of the center. And so I guess I'm just interested in moving to the stage where we're past sort of the legacy of some of these remaining ones that you just described and into the phase of this is just an ongoing service that we need for our continued operations. And that's why it should be, a, you know, moving away from the sole source. But okay. Thank you. Thank you, Director Lipkin and Dennis. Directors, other thoughts, questions, comments? Director Shaw? Yeah, I, I would um, say that I agree with Director Lipkin. And so I guess I would wonder that, that after Dennis just spoke and said that we expect most of this to be done within the five years. So would uh, an alternative be to just do the five-year contract and not have the two extensions allowed? Because really what we're approving here is up to nine years. So I, I don't know if there's a way to change that so that um, it's maybe just the five years and work on that. So I, I guess I just bring that up for question and comment. Chair, uh, I was just going to ask the general counsel to lean in. So thank you. Sure. Yeah. So it is um, typical for the TJPA to reserve to itself an option to extend the term of the contract should it so desire and should it be necessary. Uh, but those kinds of options are brought back to the board for its approval prior to exercise. Accordingly, if the staff were in a position where they felt like it was needed to um, seek to continue Pelly services beyond the initial base five-year term, it would come back to the board for your consideration and approval prior to exercising that term. So it just preserves some flexibility for TJPA, but certainly not any guarantee. Director Forbes, and then Director John Baptiste. Thank you, Donald, for the assistance. I appreciate it. Thank you, Donald, for your presentation. Uh, thank you, Donald. I um I think that what might be useful here is that the board has an opportunity to exercise that option before uh, the agency has no before it runs out of time to do a competitive solicitation process. So if we um, Adam, if we can have an agreement that we have advanced time, I think that that satisfies because the option to renew would come back to this body. Uh, but we want to have that policy conversation before there's no time uh, for a competitive solicitation. I could through the chair or the center itself is going through a period of moving into full operations as we described in the budget process. Um, these are sort of the last known large tenant improvements, the last to connect to the park level, our signature restaurant in the park, some of our ground floor retail. So uh, while the directors are correct, there will be ongoing needs. Uh, we expect the majority of them in the coming years, and you have staff's commitment to return to the board uh, prior to any exercise of uh, any extension to this contract. Thank you, Adam. And thank you, Director Forbes. Director John Deptis, did you have a comment or question? Yes, thank you, Chair G. I, I think I have a slightly different perspective on this that I wanted to just introduce, which is I think that if Pele Clark Pele is uniquely positioned to provide the services that we need, I have a I, I am comfortable with contracting with them on a sole source basis. And I'm just cognizant that there is a cost to staff and to our operations by going through a full-blown procurement process 
particularly if it's likely to result in the same outcome that we have before us today. And so I just want to be thoughtful about what we are asking staff to do, given what our requirements are. Um, I'm fine with having a policy conversation about this before the this type of contract would get extended you know, down the road, but I did want to just introduce that this is not costless to ask for a different type of procurement process. Thank you, Director John Baptiste. Any other questions or comments from directors? What I think I may have heard. Oh, go ahead, Donald. Oh, no, I'm just not. I was just going to say I'm not seeing any. I, I think Adam and, and and team. I think I've heard a wide range of concerns. So what I would think is that year four to give everybody a year ramp is that this item come back for us for review before any extensions are are brought forward to the board, just so we see where we're at. Um, public comment, Donald? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, moderator? Hello, caller. Please state your name at two minutes begin now. <clears throat> Hi, this is Jim Patrick. Uh, I remember a, a major crack and removing uh, re, uh, repaving and I don't think Clark Pelly Clark has done as good a job as they could and I believe it should have been uh, bid out and I also believe uh, they are have the architecture contract for project uh, F or parcel F and it seems to me there's a major conflict of interest as that works out so I question it. Thank you. That does conclude conclude public comment. This item is for action. Is there a first and a second? I'll, I can move the item and including uh, Chair G's request for a review at year four as part of the approval. Is there a second? A second. Thank you, Director Lipkin, and thank you, Director Shaw. I will take a roll call vote. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman I, Chair G. Yes. GI, there are seven I's. Item eight is approved on the basis that there is a review at the, during the fourth year. I'll proceed to call your next item. Directors, item 12 is the San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program Executive Steering Committee update, and Michelle Bouchard, Acting Executive Director of Caltrain ASC Chair, will present this item. Great. Good morning, Chair G and members of the board. Uh, first, before I start on my remarks, I did want to congratulate Chair G and Vice Chair Mandelman. Looking forward to working with you over the course of the of the coming year. Um, just to provide a brief report uh, from the ESC at our March meeting of the ESC, we received a presentation on the interim findings of the project delivery alternative study, which is examining different contract packaging approaches and construction delivery methods 
applicable to the size, scale, and complexity of the DTX projects. I think we've given updates on this before. Um, the update that we received in March largely focused on two shortlisted scenarios, one that in, involves a design, build, finance, maintain delivery method uh, or a P3 approach through the, uh, through the implementation of a project delivery agreement. Uh, and another includes a combination of progressive design build and construction management general contractor. So, so more traditional contracting methods. And um, so these two are generally represent two ends of the spectrum that is still under consideration. In response to the presentation, the ESC members tasked the study team and the IPMT with a deeper evaluation of the comparative risk profiles uh, of these, uh, again, various bookend approaches. This month, the ESC will discuss the IMPT's uh, risk review of those delivery options, which considers the DTX project's risk register other risk considerations common to each of the delivery options and risks that are specific to a particular delivery method. Uh, that meeting this month is going to take place on the 22nd. This risk work will inform IPMT's recommended approach for project delivery strategy that will be presented for this board's consideration in July. Also, as we've uh, updated the board on the various tasks that are being worked in the coming months, the IPMT and the ESC will be engaged in those work plan tasks, uh, reminding that they are the operations and maintenance plan, there's governance study, capital cost estimates and funding plan, and ridership forecast refinement, understanding that while a lot of these streams of work are happening in parallel, there are some uh, connections between them. And, uh, you know, we are mindful of how we need to proceed in parallel on all of these various streams of work. These tasks are required to meet the FTA New Starts guidelines to request DTX entry into final engineering stage, which is scheduled for February 23rd. Uh, and finally, if I can swap my ESC chair hat with my uh, Caltrain executive director hat, uh, we are we are very pleased that uh, Ed and Adam Vanderwater will be coming to the Caltrain board to present. This is going to be the the first time in quite some time that uh, DTX staff has presented directly to the board. Uh, Chair G, of course, provides an update on a monthly basis. But you know, we really are looking to um, really educate the Caltrain board and 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 frame this as. Uh, a regional project that is an extension uh, of the Caltrain service into downtown. And so uh, E.D. Vanderwater, very much looking forward to it. So with that, uh, I will conclude my remarks. Thank you, ESC Chair Bouchard. Thank you for joining us today. Directors, questions, comments, reflections? And wearing my Caltrain hat, I'd also like to emphasize that as we brand this project as a regional project, the local policymaker group of Caltrain, which represents the cities along the entire corridor, are as interested as the Caltrain board in DTX and what it can do for the region. And so I think we're accelerating in the momentum that we're building and making this more than a downtown San Francisco project is 
is gaining and uh, look forward to just rebranding effort later this year and how we make this a regional project for Northern California. So it's all good stuff. Donald, any public comment on, on the report? I see no public comment at this time. I will go ahead and call your next item. Thank you. Thank you. Directors, per the concurrence of Chair G, we will call items 13, 14, 15, and 16 together. Item 13 is authorizing the executive director to execute a professional services agreement with J. Cowper and Company and CBRE Valuation and Advisory Services as a bench to provide real estate appraisal and appraisal review services each for a five-year term with the option to extend the term for up to two additional two-year terms and amounts not to exceed 250000 each for a total of 500000 for the base term. Item 14 is authorizing the executive director to execute professional services agreements with Associated Right-of-Way Services, Desmond, Marcello, and Amster, Donna Desmond Associates, and Hodges, Lacey, and Associates as a bench to provide real estate acquisition, relocation, and specialty appraisal services for each each for a five-year term with the option to extend the term for up to two additional two-year terms at an egregious amount of not to exceed $1,500,000 for the base term. Item 15 is authorizing the executive director to execute professional services agreements with Millennium Consultant Associates and ACC Environmental Consultants as a bench to provide environmental site assessments and hazard, hazardous materials analysis each for a five-year term with the option to extend the term for two additional two-year terms with an egregious amount not to extend 650000 for the base term. Item 16 is authorizing the executive director to execute a professional services agreement with Chicago Title Company to provide real estate title and escrow services for a five-year term with the option to extend the term for up to two additional two-year terms and an amount not to exceed 800000 for the base term. And Dennis and Alfonso Rodriguez will present this item. Uh, great, thank you. I, I think you already did. But why don't I show a few slides um, and talk a little bit about why we're procuring these services at this time. Um, why don't we just go to the next slide, please? So uh, thank you. Um, the accelerated work plan adopted by this board uh, called for securing these real estate services contracts at this time. And our approach included establishing about four bench contracts, um, which gives us flexibility to use these firms based on service areas that they responded to, as well as workload and schedule needs of the project. In, case, uh, in the case of the appraisal work, one will be assigned as the primary appraiser and the other for independent review. Four separate RFPs were issued in January for, um, as was just dis uh, discussed or presented, appraisal and appraisal review services, acquisition, relocation, and specialty appraisal services, surveying, environmental assessment, and hazardous materials services known as ESA phase one and twos, and title and escrow services. Proposals were received on March 7th and we're recommending award of nine contracts for the four bench categories. Uh, next slide, please. So um, the proposals were reviewed and interviews were conducted by a panel, uh, including a member from the TJPA, 
City and County of San Francisco Real Estate Department, Port of San Francisco, and our right-of-way manager uh, coming to us through the PMPC. Upon completion of the evaluation and negotiations, nine contracts are being recommended at this time to the board. Uh, next slide, please. So uh, for appraisal and appraisal review, um, we are recommending Jay Kuyper and Company and CBRE Valuation Advisory Services for acquisition and relocation. We're recommending associated right-of-way services. And for the specialty appraisal services uh, component, component of the bench, we're recommending Desmond Marcello and Amster, Donna Desmond Associates, and Hodges Lacey and Associates. For survey and environmental assessment services, we're recommending Millennium Consulting Associates and ACC Environmental uh, Consultants. I should note that proposals from these firms specified only environmental assessment and hazardous material investigative uh, services. A third firm responded to these services as well as the survey scope, though we remain in negotiations with them and if successful, uh, we'll bring the contract back to the board or to the board for the board's consideration. Uh, next slide, please. So for each of these bench contracts, we're recommending a five-year base term contract with the option to extend for up to two additional two-year terms, along with the corresponding not to exceed budget authority. Notices to proceed will be issued for the specific contracts per assignment, along with applicable scope, budget, and schedule. The budget authority uh, requested for the base terms are 250,000 for each of the two appraisal and appraisal review contracts, a total not to exceed amount of 1,500,000 to be allocated to the acquisition and relocation and specialty appraisal services for the base term with 1.4 million reserved for acquisition and relocation services and the balance for the specialty appraisal work. Uh, a total uh, not to exceed amount of 650,000 for the survey and environmental services bench contract for the base term allocating 400 million uh, for the uh, Millennium contract and 250,000 to the ACC contract. A total uh, not to exceed amount of 800,000 for the uh, single title and escrow contract is also being recommended. Next slide, please. So our next steps are that um, in this recommendation to the board and if the item is approved, uh, we expect to begin title work uh, for the parcels requiring acquisition or subsurface easements, followed by field surveys and the environmental site assessment work uh, for those identified parcels. Then in the summer, we expect to complete what is known as the Real Estate Acquisition and Management Plan, which is one of the FTA required management plans um, that are called for as part of the Capital Investment Grants Program. I would also like to point out that right-of-way acquisition will not begin until we've secured sufficient funding to do so. And per our current funding plan uh, that we previously presented to the board would likely not begin until the end of this year if that funding plan is realized. So um, that concludes my formal presentation. I suppose, next slide. And um, staff is recommending authorizing the executive director to uh, execute the contracts as presented and adopt uh, and for this board to adopt the resolutions that are presented in the staff reports. Um, I'm available to answer any questions you might have. Alfonso, thank you very much for your presentation. Directors, questions, comments? Director Shaw? 
Thank you. Um, yeah, I, 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 I recognize the, the, the necessity for all of these. I think it looks good. My only question to you is, um, as you went through this process, did the prices come out to where you had already planned? So were there no surprises? So all of those pricing is kind of where you expected to be from a budget perspective? Yes, um, we we had actually, I think we did a pretty good job landing where we expected or, or was hoping to land and within the budget forecasts and, and cost forecasts that we presented for DTX. Thank you. I would move approval when time is. Thank, thank you, Director Shaw. Other directors, questions or comments? <clears throat> Alfonso, very exciting because the work plan you referenced was very aggressive. And with these consultants, it brings us even closer to moving this project forward when we're talking about right away acquisitions. So good work to the entire team. I'm not seeing any other director comments or questions. Donald, public comment. Seeing none. Okay, Director Shaw, would you like to do the honor? Move approval, thank you. Thank you, is there a second? Second, Tumlin. Thank you, Director Tumlin. Donald? Yes, sir. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Dr. John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Dr. Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Dr. Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Dr. Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? He had to leave at 11. Thank you. Chair G? Yes. G I. There are six eyes. Items 13, 14, 15, and 16 are approved. I think we made it through our agenda, Donald. That is correct, Chair G. Directors, that does conclude the business before you today. Board, thank you very much for your time today. We had a pretty full agenda. We, we went through it. We asked good questions. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the honor of continuing to serve as chair. Really appreciate it. We've got a great board and we've got a lot of work ahead of, ahead of us. So uh, thank you. Everybody have a great day. And I would say stay dry, but we need the rain. So let's get some more rain. <laughs> Everyone have a great day. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank Everyone you. get adjourned. Thanks, everyone.